Good morning. Good to see everybody here. Um, I'd like to read, um, go to chapter 12 of Hebrews, um, 1 through 6. How many of you have ever been in a track meet? Anybody here ever been in a track meet or coach track or that type of thing? Okay, that's good. We're gonna, we're gonna read about a track meet, okay? Chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 6. Hebrews. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. You have not yet resisted the bloodshed, striving against sin, and you, and have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And scourges every son whom he receives. So we're, we're looking down, uh, I get this picture every time I read this, I get, not every time now, because I changed my thinking a little here, but I, my thinking has always been that when I, when I read this, I picture a track meet. You ever do that? You know, you, you're going on a race here, and I'm, I'm looking down on the track, and there's the, of course, there's the athletes kind of melling around, and they have their sweatsuits on, and their tennis shoes, and they're kind of warming up like they do, you know, getting ready for the big race, and um, the fans are all up in the in the stadium if there is any fans, and they're um, they're the people that are going to watch the this this track meet, and then there's um, then there's the track. Then there's got to be some motivation for these runners that are going to get down in their starting blocks and then a judge, the judge is going to hold up his little starting pistol and go on your marks, get set, you know, and he shoots and they all take off running. And, uh, well, that's the kind of picture we have here. Um, that's the picture I, I, I got. I'm going to kind of, I want to go through this picture that I have in my head and I want to look at the track and I want to look at the runners and I want to look at um, the finish line and I want to look at that 
starter, the guy with the little pistol. And I want to look at the fans. Who are they? So I'm going to just kind of go through some of those, kind of set the scene here. And uh, the track is actually the path of the just. It's called the gospel way, the gospel trail, the gospel road. It's a, uh, it's a long trek. It's not, this isn't a 100-yard dash or a, you know, a 200-meter. This is... This is a lifelong race. This is a marathon. And um, it's it's a, not a nice, smooth tartan track or a nice, smooth cinder track. I suppose now, nowadays kids run. I don't know what the tracks are made of, maybe tartan. But um, we used to run on cinder, and it was it would trip you up. And if you fell, you ended up with, you know, Wounds that would take a week to heal, and uh, it was rough. But um, this race is only for believers. But you're going to find other others that will get in the race, but they won't finish. There will be some, and there will be um, the, the the believers are going to have to come in through the little door. There will be a little door. They come down and they enter onto the track. And if they don't go through the door, they're they're going to try to get in some other way. They're not going to be they're they're not going to be the the real runners. They're going to be runners that'll fake you out. They'll run with you. They'll look good, but they'll never finish. And then, uh, so this is a lifelong race. This is a race that begins the moment you're born again and enter into a lifelong covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ, putting all your hope and your trust in him. And it's instantaneous. It's like one minute you're out, the next minute you're in. One minute you're not fit to run this race, the next minute you're fit to run the race. And it happens, it's a transition that happens instantaneously. Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has eternal life, everlasting life, and he, and, uh, he shall never perish. That's a, that's an awesome promise, but it's instantaneous. It's, if you believe, um, Romans ten ten, you know, if you believe in your heart, or if you uh, if you will, what is it? Confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, um, you will be saved. So there's a certain ticket of to get in, and uh, we're handed a, you know, we're handed the gift of faith and the gift of repentance when we come in. And if there's other people trying to get on the track later on, you know, might try to just jump in there somewhere, um, you know, they're not they're not coming in the right way. And uh, the the um, he's going to choose uh, this judge of the of the track meet is going to choose the runners. They're going to be chosen by. Um, by the judge, and he's going to choose all those that will run with you all along your way. He's going to have certain ones running with you and encouraging you and um, 
and, and keeping you on the way, um, there will be some that are have been running for a long time and they're, they're probably getting close to the finish line. There will be others that are just starting out. And all of these are meshed and into your time and space. Have you ever thought, have you ever um, thought about God's time and space? I think about that quite a bit. I, my mind will go there and I'll, um, I think about why am I here? Why am I here right now? Why am I in this space? Why is, why is Bethany Bible Church here a place where these people and why, why are we all right here, right now? You know, I don't think we planned it. Did you sit back 10, 15, 20 years ago and say to yourself, I think I'll be at uh, Big Lake Bethany Bible Church on this date. It, God put us here. And he's got time and space for everyone. Why, why wasn't I, uh, you know, um, I, I sometimes wonder, well, why didn't he put me in the Israelite children, you know, being taken out of Egypt? And led by Moses. That would have been exciting. <laughs> I don't think I would have cared for it, but it would have been exciting. And then, um, why wasn't I, uh, with George Washington when he, when he sailed across the Delaware there, you know, and why, why, why wasn't I with, um, you know, why wasn't I attending, um, Spurgeon's, you know, the tabernacle? Why, why not? Why this time and this space? You know, God has a place and a time. He takes, he takes eternity, he opens it up, he puts time and space. And then he takes all of his ones that he's chosen, he puts them in special little places all along the way. They run their race, they start it, and they finish it. And then he's got more people starting and more people finishing and more people starting and more people finishing until he decides to finish. And he did finish once. He's run this race. He's been on this track just just like you. He, he's been on the gospel road, on the gospel way. And he's run this race. So you're not going to be going through things that he doesn't know about. And that, you know, He's going to say, watch out for this little thing. It might trip you up. Watch out over there. Um, he's going to give you some tips. And he's going to, he's going to do a, a number of things, which we'll look at when, as we get to these different uh, sections. So, um, uh, those that run with us are for our encouragement. They're to help us along the way. Um, And all of us are responsible. Um, Pastors, evangelists, um, missionaries, and every one of us are responsible as we run this race. We're responsible to tell others along the way that we find that are um, they're lost. They don't know where they're going. They're moving through life on their own little journey. And they look at us going by and they think it's really strange. Some say it's foolish. They say that's really foolish running on that track. Why do you want to stay on there? You know, I got a better place for you over here. And, and so they think it's just foolishness and, and, um, others think, well, that's not a very wise thing to do. Why would you let somebody tell you where you have to run and so on? So, um, 
They're looking for different things. But it's our job, all of us, to join the pastors, missionaries, evangelists, and so on, to tell them about it, to show them that this gospel way is the right way. Um, And that, um, okay. Um, so you're going to run this race. Oh, yeah. To, well, you, our job is to tell them about our wonderful Savior who has brought us into the race and tell them he commands men everywhere to repent and believe the gospel. You know, I, I think that so often is uh, presented as optional. You know, we, we give them the gospel. Say, well, you can, you know, just read this pamphlet and um, the four spiritual laws here, and then you're saved. And then you can get in on the race. And um, I bet sometimes that's true for some people. But for others, you know, you say, well, I just want to wait till I've had a little fun first. You know, I want to, I want to, you know, get out and enjoy life first. Why should I? Go now and get on this thing. I'll do it later. And uh, what, a, what a horrible decision that is. Um, God commands men everywhere to repent and believe the gospel. Um, track coaches. I, I, to, I ran track, but I also coached track. Um, they continually stress for runners to set their focus on the finish line. You know, that's that's your focus, and you know, in especially in high school, you see runners, they're running uh, on a race and they get ahead of everybody. And they're so shocked by the fact they're ahead, they they kind of turn around and look as they run, and then of course they get tripped up. You can get tripped up when you're looking back. And the other thing is, um, your coach is going to chew you out when when the race is over. So, you know, don't look back. You know, that's not where you're, you're, you're going to keep your eye on, on the goal line, on the prize. Um, a runner who looks back is liable to trip up. Um, Jesus said, no one having set their hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And Paul, remember Paul said, I do this one thing I do, this one thing I do, I press on. I forget those things which are behind. Forgetting those things which are behind, I press on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He, Paul's only, only desire was to, to run this race and, and to, to, to run it and not be distracted, not be taken out, not not fail. And he, he wanted to, to keep going forward and reach the goal, reach the line. And uh, our finish line, our prize, the little string at the end of the track, um, is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our prize. He's a, it's a person we're running to. We're running the race and the, per, the goal is a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? He's also the one with the starting pistol. Isn't that something? He's the one, he's the beginning and he's the end. He's the first and he's the last. 
We start with him, we end with him. Um, who is this, this Lord Jesus Christ? Well, it says in Colossians that he's the image of the invisible God, uh, the firstborn over all creation. For all things were made by him, uh, whether they be in heaven or in the earth, whether they're visible or invisible, whether they're thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were made by him and for him, and he's before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the beginning, the, uh, the, the firstborn, the head of the church, um, that in all things he might have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. That's uh, in Colossians chapter 1. Uh, he, he has called us and redeemed us and set this race before us and will empower us to overcome, persevere, and complete the race. He gives us the power to run the race. He gives us the power to be in the race. He gives us the power to complete the race. Um, he himself is the goal, and he will receive all the glory. You know, um, he also holds a starting gun and will send you on your way. And when you grow weary along the way, um, he will be your strength and your song. And when you're hungry, he said, I will come to you with bread. And when you're thirsty, he says, I will pour water on him who's thirsty. And he said, he... Uh, he will choose the perfect running mates. Did you guys know you're perfect running mates for me? To run with you has been assigned to me by God. And for you to run with me has been assigned to you. Isn't that something? And uh, sometimes we say, well, yeah, but I don't like that guy. And, and uh, that's not an option. You know, that's not an option for us. Our option is to keep our eyes on the prize and just do what he tells us. We do what he says. But he says, uh, um, you might have some questions um, about this race. And you say, well, um, what if I'm uh, too weak to continue? He said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. What if you say, uh, what if it grows dark? He says, I am the light of the world. And you say, well, what if I lose my way? And he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. He says, well, what if I die along the way? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Though we be dead, though a man be dead, yet shall he live. You know, though... This is our judge. This is our starter. This is our all in all. He's our beginning and our end. He has picked your lane for you. You know how they put runners in lanes and, and, uh, you know, um, you want a lot of runners, they have a special lane they want to be in and it all kind of defeats them in the mind right away if they end up being stuck in a different lane. They want to get where they can you know, where they can have the best advantages. Um, but he assigns us our lane to run in, and each runner is unique, and each lane is handpicked and groomed for his 
or her sanctification and success. So he's picked out the lane that we'll do the best in, even though we might not think so. Um, sometimes you ever think, oh, if I was only doing something else, you know. God's put you here for a reason. He knows what it takes to move you. He knows what it takes to to um, um, to bring sanctification and success to you. And you say, well, but this is too hard. Yeah, it's okay. You know, it's okay. The master has assigned these things to us. Um, then what about... Um, And what, what about the the, uh, the witnesses, the fans? You know those those that are up in the um, up in the audience there. Let's look at those. Uh, can you just um, flip over a page? Actually, end of chapter eleven, uh, Hebrews eleventh. Um, I just want to read uh, thirty-two to thirty-nine there. When it says we are surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, that, this is, these are the witnesses. And what more shall I say? For the time should fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness they were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, and they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings and, yes, of chains and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of, <clears throat> of whom the world is not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and in caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should be made perfect apart from us. So these are the witnesses, this great cloud of witnesses. Um, and, <clears throat> and if we picture them, I think I pictured them this way, Years ago, when I was reading this scripture, I'm going to grab a. I pictured them as being the fans, you know, kind of sitting up in the stadium. And as we run by, they go, yeah, yeah, keep going, you know, and encouraging us to keep running. And they, they've got us heading down the track and they're saying, oh, you're going to get, you're going to win, you know, and all. 
And really, that's not the picture that the writer of Hebrews is, is, is giving us here. His picture is that we remember their godly example and how through faith they persevered to the end. These witnesses are not necessarily looking at us, but we're the runners are, are remembering them and what they went through and how they persevered and how they, there was no quit in them. You know, they kept going and they did finish. And they were always running forward toward the cross. They were running forward toward a savior and they were running forward toward, uh, the promises and they just didn't ever get to see them. And then Christ came. And he answered all their promises. And now we come along after Christ and we look back at what Christ has done for us. We see what he's done. So they ran, they, they looked forward to the Savior that would come. We look back at the, what the Savior's done. A little different, but both saved by faith. By grace, saved by grace through faith. So we're say, uh, the Old Testament saints, these ones that it speaks so highly of here, they were saved by Jesus Christ, by grace, and through faith. They believed the promises of God. And uh, we read about, uh, you know, this, this much of the Bible... Or there's a ton of people that don't believe the promises of God. They didn't believe. And they didn't get saved. But there's always all those. God always had a remnant. He would send Israel out into, you know, into captivity to Assyria. And then he sent Judah into captivity into Babylon. And, and uh, you think, well, you know, they didn't have anybody. Yeah, they always had some. They always had a remnant. God always had a remnant. And, uh, it, uh, he was faithful in all of it. Okay, then it says here, lay aside the weights and sins that so easily beset you. You know, I, um, for an athlete, you know, lay aside your weights and sins. I suppose that for an athlete, that meant, you know, peel down, get ready for the race, pull off your hoodie and your sweatpants and Get off your tennis shoes and put on your neat little Nike track shoes and get ready to run. Whereas for the Hebrews, and you remember Paul is, or not Paul necessarily, maybe, um, the writer of the Hebrews here is, um, he's writing to a Hebrew people who have been so steeped for so long in the Levitical system. That's, that's where they're coming from. And he's saying, for them, the weights are, you gotta shed this system. You know, you're living under bondage. You're living under the, under legalism. You're living under the law. You know, leave it behind. Drop it. Get it off. And that was hard for them. You know, it was hard. And, uh, then the sin, of course, that he said, and, and lay aside the weights and sin that's so easy to beset you. That sin, um, was the sacrifices. Some of them still wanted to believe that 
what it took to make you righteous and forgive your sin was a goat or a bull or the ashes of a heifer. They didn't, you know, they just couldn't quite trust the fact that the Lamb of God took away the sins of the world. You know, they couldn't quite, they, they wanted all these sacrifices that were traditional. They didn't receive the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Um, and so that was the sin they had to lay aside. Um, and then uh, for you and I, we'll, we'll look at some of the things that trip us up, some of the things that hinder us, some of the things that take us off the track and we just, we don't finish. You know, we, we uh, get sidetracked and, but one thing we've got to, yeah, you know, this track we're running on, Jesus ran on it too. And I, I, I'll, um, he told us that, um, I think it was in, uh, Pastor just taught us on uh, John chapter 4, um, the Samaritan woman at the well and she said, well, you know, we're told to worship on this mountain. And you you think you have to worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus said to her, uh, woman, the day is coming when you'll neither worship on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Um, those that worship in truth will, or those that are Worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth. For for the Father desires such to worship him. He's looking for those that will worship him in spirit and truth. Well, I'm thinking about this race and I'm saying, um, our whole life, our whole life has to be in spirit and in truth. Um, Christian walk has to be in spirit and in truth. And unless we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and unless we march forward by the word of God, unless the Jesus that we worship is the true Jesus, we're wasting our time. You know, we are not just wasting our time. We're uh, foolishly um, destroying time. Jesus said, many will come in my name. Many will come in my name. And I'll tell you, today, seems like more than ever, many are coming in his name. There's all kinds of Jesuses out there. You can just about find your own. You know, you can, no matter who you are, you're looking for a Jesus. We got one for you right over here. Uh, You don't like that? We got one over here. And they've got all kinds of Jesuses, and they they. They frame him to fit your desires. And you'll be happy. And that's what, you know, and if you can be happy, then that means everything must be going fine and your soul is rich and you're full of the love of God, you're full of God's word and and you're marching down that road. But if you don't have the right Jesus, 
If you don't, if, if it's not the right Jesus, he's not Lord and Savior. He might be your Lord and Savior, but he's not the, the Lord and Savior. Unless he's, the, unless he's the biblical Jesus. You know, Emmanuel, God with us. Um, uh, sent by the Father, virgin born. Uh, did he go to the cross? Was it voluntary? Was it, was it a substitutional death for you? That's what he's, that's, that's what we have to look at. And when he was raised from the dead, was he raised, um, in bodily form? Was he physically raised or was it just, oh, he sort of came back in his spirit and they all said, oh, yeah, he's alive. And they walked off and the rest of their life, their whole lives were changed and they changed the world because he was alive in spirit. No. And some, some, Churches or some people and some ministers and some gospel preachers will, um, not really the gospel, but they'll tell you that, you know. He didn't, he didn't really get raised from the dead. That's just kind of a myth that people are thinking. Uh, you know what the Jews think? Well, they, they kind of have it right, you know. They, they say that, well, some apostles came and stole the body and said, well, he's risen and, you know, but really he did. You know, so they're they're going to give you all kinds of reasons not to believe, and uh, you know who that is. You know who's behind all that. We do have an enemy. Okay, and uh, run this race with endurance. What do you think that means? Well, I think all of us know what endurance is. There's um, if you if you see someone finish. Um, Something they're doing, they did it with endurance. Endurance means to run with determination and grit. But it also means to run with wisdom. And it means to run with faith. And to stay on the track. Stay on the right path. And let there be no quit in you. Read the guidebook. I'm going to give you a couple examples of people who... um, Decided that oh, maybe there's a better way. We'll see what they, what happened to them. Um, okay, so I should have numbered these. I'm getting all goofed up here. Okay. Um, I'll be right with you. Um, okay. You know, there was a, um, I just, just give you this little, little story here quick. There was a, a runner in Ken, uh, in uh, Kenya. Uh, they're great, great, uh, nation for marathoning and distance running. And, and there was a, a man named Simon Chipro or Chiprot, C-H-E-P-R-O-T. And uh, Simon had a friend named Ken Kikapmoy. Uh, and uh, his friend Ken and Simon practiced together all the time. They would run together. You know how sometimes you see this in in, in schools, tracks, and so on. There's two two guys that will really, or two girls, that run together. You know, they're always pushing each other. They're always competing. And... Uh, 
um, Simon won the gold in 2016 in the Kenyan 10, I believe it was a 10-kilometer marathon, um, international invitational, he, and he won the gold medal. And then in, I don't know what happened in 2017, I don't read that, but in 2018, he got second place. So then in 2019, he and his buddy, boy, they really work. He was going to get the gold again. That was his, his, his goal was to win that gold medal. I mean, he put everything he could possibly put into that to win that gold medal. And, uh, they, they were running the race and they were approaching the finish line and they were running a powerful race. Both he and Ken were up, you know, toward the front. And they were running hard when all of a sudden Simon noticed Ken went down. He totally flipped over and crashed down on the track and just laid there. And Simon instantly, people people said, oh, now Simon's just going to put on a burst of energy and run across that finish line. But you know what Simon did? He stopped. Saw his buddy there, crossed over dangerously of other runners coming by, and got in that lane and picked up his friend and ran to the finish line carrying his his buddy Ken. And, of course, he was a failure. He didn't get the gold. No gold medal for Simon. And uh, But do you know what? He won the hearts of the people. He became a hero, a marathoning hero in Kenya. And... Uh, um, one of the sponsors of the race wrote out a check for $10,000 and handed it to Simon afterward for his great, they called it teamwork, and best example of sportsmanship or whatever. But Simon didn't get a gold medal, but he had a gold heart, you know. And he heard a story. He said, they said, why would you do that? And he said, well, you know, I heard a story from my father. My father always used to tell us, um, he had a story where he would tell us about how if you saw a man along the road that was injured or hurt or weak, you know, you were to stop and help him. And he said, I just remembered that. And I thought, I have to help this, help my friend. You know, that's what I'm here. And I don't know, but I kind of, he didn't say it, but I kind of read into that. Maybe his dad or his father was reading him the, the great Samaritan, I mean, uh, the good Samaritan story from the Bible. He didn't say it. I don't know. That's just speculation on my part. Sounds like it to me, but... Okay. Um, so the race we are all called to run may be rough and uneven. Um, heights and valleys, twists and turns, and many pitfalls. But we can be sure of one thing. The path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more onto that perfect day. Um, know that the path we travel is a hard path. Many temptations will come up along the way, but none that the master himself has not um, um, been tempted with, and yet without sin. Jesus has been tempted with every single temptation that we can think of, and yet without sin. He has promised that no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to men. You know, you think, oh, this is my temptation. Oh, uh, and yet he'll, you know, he, 
He says, ah, that's common. Everybody's got that same temptation. And so that uh, uh, he will, um, God is faithful, and he will not suffer you to be tempted above what you can um, bear, and he'll provide a way of escape. And uh, so that you can bear it. And Jesus told us that in this world, um, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And he says, you must enter the kingdom of God through much tribulation. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be trials. There's going to be ups and downs. Anybody notice that on the gospel road that you run into some troubles and you run into some pain and you run into some hurts and you run into uh, some things like that. So... um, Jesus promised to indwell us along this road by his spirit. So we have a lot of help along the way. Um, The one that starts us is the one that we finish to. He's also the one that's with us along the way. Um, But be be careful of the enemy who will try to trip you up. Uh, Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and he comes sometimes as an angel of light, you know. Oh, this will be really good for you. And he hands you a, you know, a prickly pear cactus in the hand or something. You know, he's he's going to give you something bad. You can count on it. But he's going to look good. A lot of things that look good aren't too good for us. Uh, so I've got down three categories of things we have to watch out for. Uh, things that will hinder us and distract us along the way. And they'll get us off track. Um, one is sin, the things that are in us, and that's sin. Uh, sin is rebellion against God. It's saying, I got a better way, God. Don't, don't mess with me right here. I, I know I'm gonna follow you, but I wanna do this one my way because I think I got a better plan here. No, you don't. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, a little list there. At the end, Paul says, uh, put away all bitterness and anger and uh, wrath and clamor and evil speaking and malice and unforgiveness. Those are all things that will distract you. Those are things that will take you out of the way. Um, you have to be careful of them. You say, well, yeah, um, sometimes. Yeah. No, not sometimes. All the time. And, you know, who of us can say that we're faithful to that? You know, I don't think. Maybe you can. Um, I can't. But... Um, Those are things that we have to be aware of, and we have to, uh, you know, um, Paul said, put them away. That's probably the weights and part of the weights and the sins that so easily beset us. A a few more like lying and pride and strife and envy and jealousy and self-seeking. That sounds like um, the human nature, you know, that's in all of us. Um, Hopefully... The spirit that's in us overcomes the flesh that's in us. You know, they're both there. And it's a battle. It's a fight. But he that's in you is, is, is greater. He that abides in you. You abide in. If you abide in my word, that's so important. Um, concerning wisdom, you know, uh, James talked about bitterness and envy Self-seeking, he said, if you have bitter envy and strife in your heart, glory not, lie not against the truth. The wis- this wisdom is not from above. It is earthly and sensual 
and demonic. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom which is from above is, first of all, pure and peaceable. It's in, um, it's gentle and it's um, easily entreated. Easily entreated. And it's full of mercy and good fruits and without partiality and without hypocrisy. That's the wisdom which is from above. That's the wisdom that we seek and that's the wisdom we desire to live by. Um, McShane, Robert Murray McShane said, the seed of every sin dwells in the breast of every one of us. You know, none of us, we read in the paper, we see on the news that somebody did some horrible thing and we say, how could they do that? Well, if you know the word of God, you know how they could do that. It's sin. And uh, any of us are capable of what we have grace to overcome. We have the word of God. We have training. We have parents that tell us that's wrong, this is right. We have uh, um, a, a, a road we're walking on. Um, we have, uh, you know, I don't want to have my name in the paper bad, you know. So we got all kinds of motivations for um, doing the right thing. But we do the right thing because God says this is the right thing, do it. But um, a lot of people, they don't have that, you know. And and we see them all over the place. We see them all along the way. And those are the people that God wants us to, to tell about the Lord Jesus. He says, tell them, you know. The gospel is to go out to every, every, what do you say, go to, um, told the apostles, go to, um, what, Jerusalem and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and, uh, tell them, tell them. Um, and we, we are, um, to tell of the Lord Jesus. We're to live the Lord Jesus so people, you can see we live a life that's different than they're living and bothers people sometimes. You know, they don't like it, you know, and and they say, well, they think they're so good. Oh, no, we know who we are and we we have a need and you just haven't seen your need yet. So there's there's a lot of people that haven't seen their need. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones says that even our repentance is steeped in sin. Um, Dane Ortland, he's the author of a little book we used to have on the back table. It's not there anymore, but it, it was, they were free, and there were, I think we got them up at the um, um, Common Slaves Conference last fall. But it's called Gentle and Lowly, just an excellent book. And it says, everything we do, both civil and religious, is contaminated with sin. Teaching and preaching and, and everything we do, you know, is always that me in there. You know, there's that self-life in there. Um, Christ came to save us from sin, and in order to do so, he had to save us from ourselves. That was that was important. Um, Pogo was a little cartoon character, and when they came out with the first Earth Day, you know, we were going to, we're all going to get out and save the Earth. Um you know, because the earth is dying. Did you know that? The earth is has a problem. So uh, we're going to save the earth. And in 1970, they started this thing, and they put big posters up all over. This was the first Earth Day. And uh, the poster was a poster of Pogo. And he said, 
we have met the enemy and he is us. Now that was what they thought about the earth, that we're guilty and we're destroying the earth. And uh, But I think it fits pretty well. We have met the enemy and he's us. We have an enemy inside of us called sin and flesh. You know. um, but praise God, Jesus came to take away sin. Um, and then the second little category um, is because of us. You know, there's the sin in us, but there's also um, hardness of heart, unpreparedness, stubbornness, self-pity, laziness, um, our feelings, in, uh, independent spirit, a negative attitude. All these things are going to trouble us along the way. They will trouble us. And one of our greatest battles will be with our own mind. Um, Paul, or yeah, well, I guess it's, I guess it's Paul in Romans says, um, "Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." Well, how do you renew your mind? Um, the only way to renew your mind is to fill it with something that's not there now, and to reject the things that are there. So we fill it with God's word, and uh, that's how we transform. The mind is transformed by the work of the Spirit through His word. You know, through the word. So that you might be able to prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then Steve just read for us, you know, uh, let the same mind be in you which was in Christ. Um, in Philippians chapter 2. The Spirit of God will take the word of God to keep us on the right track and help us along the way. David said, I, his, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you and um, he said, thy, thy word is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. Um, our feelings will often lead us astray. Feelings will often fool you, but God's word will never fail you. You can say, well, I feel this. And so you go that way and probably went the wrong way. But God will say, go this way and you can trust it. Um, Jeremiah warned us the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. Do you say, well, yes, but I got a new heart. Yeah, you do. Listen to it. And that, that, that old heart, though, is still in there. You know, the old flesh still bugs you. I mean, it's still, still trying to get its way in there. You gotta put it down. Uh, the last group is physical circumstances like Rough footing along the way, steep hills, discomfort, pain, disease, uh, ignoring the guidebook. You know, we can we can ignore this uh, this book here. Uh, we can uh, um, have irritation, little irritations, things that bother us. You know, the the old mountain men used to say, um, "It's not the mountains ahead that wear me out; it's the grain of sand in my shoe." And and that was that can be really true. Little irritations can uh, can just eat away at you. And there can be like uh, the little foxes. Is it that foil the vine? The little foxes. There's little little uh, things that'll get at you. And you got to we've got to watch that. Uh, most often, circumstances are to blame for our troubles. Getting taken up with our circumstances will bring us bring out the if onlys in us. Any of you have any if onlys in you? Um, if only, you know, for me, if only. Uh, you could say, well, if only my path was as easy as that guy. You know, that person has an easy path, you know. Why is that? And then you say, well, if only you hadn't put me next to this person. 
You know, God sometimes picks someone to put next to us that kind of rubs us the wrong way. And we say, well, if only you wouldn't put that person here, I'd be doing everything perfect, you know. Uh, if only I had um, a bigger house. If only I had a bigger car. If only I had a different job. If only um, I had more money. If only my boss understood me, you know. There's so many things that we can put in those if-onlys, and they all have to do with circumstances. They all have to do with circumstances because because we think God's going to put these circumstances in here because he, you know, he says he loves me, but I sometimes I wonder when I see some of these things. So if only he'd change my circumstances, then I'll be perfect, you know, then I'll run right. So he says I could run a better race if God would only change my circumstances. Um, Paul says we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're more than conquerors. How many of you have complained about, uh, to God about circumstances at least once in your life? Okay. Um, the Lord rebuked the disciples, Thomas, uh, you know, especially. Well, um, Jesus appeared in the room with uh, the disciples and and uh, um, before Thomas had said, if only I could see the prints of the nails in his hand or, or put my hand in his side, he said, then I'd believe. And Jesus rebuked them for their unbelief, and he said, Thomas, you believe because you see me. Blessed are all those who haven't seen and still believe. You know, it's, it's the same thing when the circumstances get in the way. You say, oh, that circumstance, I can't handle that. And don't look at it, you know. And don't look at it. Look at the look at the goal. Look at the line. Look at look down where you're supposed to be looking. Keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, and you don't have to worry about that circumstance. God will take care of the circumstance, you know. And we struggle with that. Well, okay. Um, examples of a, of a few people who got tripped up. I I think we all remember the story of Peter and the cock. You know, you're going to deny. Peter said, if everyone else denies you, I won't. I'll be there. I'll go right to the death with you. And and the Lord said, ah, Peter, you, you don't know yourself. You know, he said, um, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. And before the cock crows in the morning, you'll deny me three times. And Peter said, not me. And so Peter denied him three times and the cock crowed. And Jesus looked at him with just a poor Peter, you know. He had that kind of, oh, he pitied Peter, you know. Loved him so much. And Peter just went out and wept bitterly in repentance of that. Um, and then, uh, again, Peter, Jesus came to Peter and took him out on the beach. They were all walking down the beach. And, and he got him alone a little bit there. And he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yeah. Uh, you, yeah, I love you. And Peter, do you love me? And he said, yeah, I love you. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And they said a third time, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, oh, you know, you know, Lord. That's probably the best place for Peter to leave it. You know, Lord. <laughs> yeah, he knows more about us than we do. But the one thing, uh, he told Peter that uh, you're going to die the same way I died. You're going to hang on a cross. And Peter was kind of dismayed a little bit by that. And and you know what he immediately did? He turned around and he pointed at John. He says, yeah, but what about him? What about him? 
He was accusing God of being unfair. You always let him get away with things, but now look at you're going to send me the cross. What are you going to do with him? And Jesus said to him, if I want him to live until I return, what's that to you? You come and follow me. You see, we tend to get our mind, our nose into other people's business at times when we shouldn't. And we tend to not trust what God's going to do. We, we think we have to help him get this done because we've got a better idea. And it's, it's Peter's fault here, I think, is that in some ways he's accusing God. In some ways he's just, it's unbelief. In other ways he's feeling sorry for himself. But praise God, Peter overcame, you know. Greater is he that is in me. He, 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 he overcame and became a powerful man of God. And, uh, the, in Pilgrim's Progress, Pilgrim and Hopeful are going on the trail down, you know, headed toward the light for the celestial city and they're coming along the path and all of a sudden it gets kind of steep and rocky and, and things are, are really against them and, and, Hopeful says, let's keep going, Christian. Let's keep going, Christian. Says, oh, oh, look over here. You know, there was a beautiful meadow right beside him on the other side of the fence and had a nice little path they could walk. Hey, look at that smooth path. You know, it's running parallel with, with our path. Let's just climb over the fence and we'll walk there and it'll be so much easier. And Hopeful said, no, we can't do that. Evangelist told us to stay on this path. But, of course, Christian kept talking and they went over the fence and they went, uh, started out on the little path in the meadow and it was beautiful and little flowers and, and nice day. But then as it started to get dark, it got dark real fast and it started to thunder and it started to lightning and, and they were starting to really worry and hopeful say, I think we're, we've lost our way and, and, uh, we should have stayed on the path and, and they laid down to sleep. Well, of course, if there was a big storm, they must have found a little shelter or some kind. But they were they they were awakened in the morning by the thundering voice of giant despair. You, you ever had a giant despair where you know everything seems to cave in on you and your stomach's tied in knots? Um, they had a giant despair, and he grabbed them and he pulled them down to Doubting Castle and threw them in the dungeon. And they were locked in there and they had, they were so miserable. He would come down and beat them up every day. Just beat them to a pulp and leave them. And, uh, you know, he tell them, you know, you're better off dead. Why do you want to be here? You know, why are you going to stay here? You're, you're better off if you just die. And they said, oh, Christian said, oh, we're, oh, you know, this is so good, bad, you know. How are we ever going to get out of here? We're never going to get out of here. And Hopeful says, yeah, we'll get out of here. But then he, Christian goes, oh, oh, what a fool I've been. I have a key in my pocket. Guess what the key was? It was a scripture. And it was a promise. He had a promise. And they got out and they went back. They got on the uh, right track again. And uh, uh, Christian makes a really profound statement. I, I love it. He said, it's easier to get off the path when you're on the path than it is to get on the path when you're off the path. I, I think well, that, that is rich. That is a profound statement. Well, anyway, i got to quit. Okay. Um, 
Um, the other guy was John Mark. Of course, you know how he failed. And um, Barnabas says we're not. Or Barnabas wanted to take him on the second missionary journey because he'd failed so bad in the first. Paul said, "No way, we're not taking that quitter." You know, he's he he chickened out on us, and we're not taking him with us. And and then uh, Barnabas got. They kind of got into kind of a stew over it, and. Paul took Silas and went one way, and Barnabas took John Mark and went the other way. But if you look later in the, in the, Paul's letter to Timothy at the end, he says, "And bring the scrolls and and bring uh, bring my coat and he says, and bring John Mark with you. He's he's very useful for me." So evidently, somewhere along the road, they had a, a real uh, togetherness, um, and he. He was, he had that second chance, you know, he, he came back. You know, what do you do when somebody fails, you know, and what does God do when somebody fails, you know? Maybe different, maybe the same. Um, okay, so let's see. Um, God has given us everything uh, necessary for life and godliness um, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue having given us these exceeding great and precious promises that uh, we might be partakers of the divine nature, that we might escape the wrath that's in this world through lust. So he's given us what we need. He's given us himself. He's given us the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. He's given us his word, the word of God. He's given us the full armor of God. And he's given us the fellowship of believers, people to run with. Um, our culture is eroding at an astounding rate right now. This is not the time to allow distractions, slovenness, or not a time to give up. Now is the time to pray and to fix your eyes on Jesus and to press on. If you are here today and you do not uh, know this Jesus, and if you're not on the gospel road, um, today is the day to cry out to the Lord in repentance and faith and ask him to save you and then make him the treasure of your heart and he will hear you then we will run together and we'll be able to say with the, with uh, I th- uh, with Fanny Crosby with with the the hymn all the way my savior leads me um, every winding path i tread gives me strength for every trial feeds me with the living bread um, though my uh, weary steps may falter and my soul a thirst may be, gushing from the rock before me, lo, a spring of joy I see. So um, he's, he's a marvelous Savior. He's, he started us and he will finish us. And uh, we love him for that. Thank you.